It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 285 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, March 1st. It is March. Holy boats. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Uh, stuff for the NFL and NBA that you can check out. Also, I think some MLB shows are starting to begin as well. Uh, Locked On MLB. I think Locked On Reds is the first one that's up and running. So uh, if you're a Reds fan, you can definitely listen to that one, uh, but there will be other Lockdown MLB shows coming as well, which is very, very exciting. Um, but on the Lockdown NBA side, you have all the team focus shows, all 30 NBA teams are covered. If you want to get a daily dose of Lockdown NBA, sort of a broader perspective, uh, hosts from across the network are now hosting daily shows on the Lockdown NBA network, which is uh, or the, on the Lockdown NBA podcast, which used, used to just be a weekly podcast with David Locke, but now there are people uh, doing it every week, every day, sorry. Uh, I am totally scattered brain right now uh apologies for that but locked on nba locked on fantasy with josh lloyd as well all the stuff is available on the locked on podcast network if you're an nfl fan as well locked on nfl a bunch of the people are the hosts of those shows are at the combine right now if you like the combine i can't imagine liking the scouting combine but if you like that stuff if that's your jam check out the locked on nfl shows as well and if you find a show that you like leave a rating or review on the itunes page and you can do that with us find locked on raptors leave a rating leave a review uh, it's the easiest way to help with the show, make us more popular. It's it's good for the algorithm uh, for whatever reason, so please do that. And uh, thanks in advance for leaving a couple of kind words and a five-star rating. Ideally, please do that. Uh, all right, on today's show, just sort of a recap and preview kind of podcast. We haven't done many of these this season because I'm trying to keep the shows a little more up-to-date and not so outdated so quickly. So, uh, you know, this hasn't really been the format I've gone with most of the season. But, hey, uh, it's Thursday. I didn't do a podcast yesterday because I was busy. Uh, uh, shouts to the McMaster women's basketball team for winning uh, the OUA semifinals at a pretty wild finish. They're going to be in the final on Sunday. Uh, so I was, at, I was at that game, and I couldn't really do a podcast yesterday. So that's uh, my reasoning for that. So we're doing two today. We have one tomorrow as well with a very special guest, and I'm very excited for all three of these podcasts. And for this one, 
It's Vivek Jacob joining me on the show. How's it going, buddy? I'm out of breath already. <laughs> yeah, wow, that was uh, more than a mouthful. Yeah. Job, uh, job. Well done. You got that. Uh, got through that pretty smooth. Yeah, not the uh, best, but I mean, I strive for like 85% uh, English correctness. Uh, oh, not well, 81? Yeah. Why 81? What's what's? Uh, just you know, just keeping with Embiid and you know the Jalen Rose disses. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, 85, I think, is a pretty good uh, bar to shoot for in terms of sentences I get out of my mouth without screwing up. That's not bad. Um, you are significantly uh, hitting at a higher clip than, again, I just screwed that sentence up. You're hitting at a significantly higher clip than I am when it comes to proper English. Uh, how are you, man? I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah, looking forward to this final stretch for the Raptors and, you know, all these crazy races, you know, in the West, in the East. Um, looks like the Celtics have sort of got going again, so it looks like it'll be an interesting battle for first as well. So. Yeah, talk to me when they're not playing the Hornets. <laughs> <laughs> God, the Hornets are depressing as hell. Um, but uh, yeah, there are some interesting races. I'm most fascinated uh, right now by the, the race for the bottom spot in the league, because that's really fun. Um, I think I'm doing a podcast about that later on with Mitch Robson for Hoop Talks, if you want to check that out as well. We'll plug that uh, early on, and, and yeah. Uh, but the Raptors, they're racing kind of, they were racing against history yesterday against the Orlando Magic. They were, uh, they needed to win by 14 points to set the record for the all-time best point differential in a February, or is it a month period? Just a February, right? Uh, I think it was just for February. Okay, so like, why anyone cared about this uh, dumb record, I don't know. But people really cared about it, and the Raptors seemed to care about it too. Uh, they fell one point short, of course, to beat the Magic one seventeen one hundred four. And what was like kind of a sleepy game for most of it. The Raptors didn't play particularly well, but also I can't really begrudge them for not caring in a game against the Orlando Magic. The Magic are terrible. Mario Huzonia is like their best player and or was their best player yesterday and when that is happening you're not a very good team. There was no Aaron Gordon uh, so I do not blame the Raptors at all for taking it easy. You wouldn't try either if DJ Augustine is the opposing starting point guard I don't think. Um, but they ended up pulling out. The bench was excellent once again. Pascal Siakam had 14-6-4 with two steals and a block. Uh, Jakob Pertl had 13-8-5 and five assists for Jakob Pertl which is kind of insane and the two steals and three blocks as well. Kind of flirted with a Five on five, a little bit in 28 minutes, which is pretty awesome. Uh, just uh, I think the fourth quarter kind of eased a lot of people's concerns, I suppose. With the first three quarters, I saw angsty Raptors Twitter kind of bubbling a little bit. Uh, that went away as Pascal Siakam yammed on the and, and Pirtle actually yammed on the Magic a few times in the fourth. Uh, any big broad takeaways from that game for you, Vivek? Um, nothing too big. I, again, the bench was the bench was the bench. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it was nice to see sort of the heartwarming hugs between Terrence Ross and Biombo and the whole gang. And, um, you know, the Raptors took care of business. I thought it was nice to see a little bit of that uh, three-guard lineup uh, for a little bit. Uh, you know, Van Vliet, uh, DeLon Wright, and Kyle Lowry were on the floor together. So um, I thought that was a nice look. Uh, it was good to, and, you know, certain matchups are going to allow that. And they took advantage of it. And besides that, you know, Jakob had a great game. Uh, he, he had one play where Van Vliet sort of drove uh, baseline and fed it to him, and he turned around and found CJ Miles in the corner, which, you know, you just don't see that from bigs very often. And mm-hmm. for him to have that vision and IQ uh, to make that read, I thought was, you know, 
obviously the fact that it still sticks with me a day later um, from an Orlando game. Uh, that was great <laughs> to see. So, <laughs> so yeah, a lot of positives overall. Um, hard to take too much from it, again, because it is Orlando, as you mentioned. Um, Aaron Gordon's been sort of up and down with dealing with his injury. Um, but everyone is shooting the lights out to begin with, and then, um, you know, eventually the Raptors' depth just took over. Yeah, I I think I tweeted this in the middle of the third quarter. I was like, I, I'm so confident the Raptors are winning this game. And it's kind of crazy how far the Raptors have come where, uh, you know, a game in which they're they're struggling against the Magic, I still feel like they're going to win by double digits. And they did just that uh, because the bench is so damn unstoppable. It's now the number one lineup in the league with 100-plus minutes played in terms of net rating, about 28 points per 100 possessions better than the opponent, uh, which is ridiculous uh that is uh like that's like death lineup stuff and obviously the 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 strength of the competition kind of plays into that because they're not playing against other team starters all the time but like they are still playing against good players like they're getting lots of run and like that has to overlap at some point with good players uh you know they're playing lots of fourth quarters and things like that and they've blown, blown away fourth quarters um so that's positive this is jake from locked on Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. OG Ananobi got hurt. That's a bummer. Uh, kind of re-aggravated the ankle. Is it the same ankle um, that he kind of was dealing with last week? Is that the... I can't remember now what the, what he was dealing with last week. So it was, it was his right ankle last night. Okay. Um, okay. I'm just trying to remember if it it was his right ankle the last time that seems to ring a bell but either way uh og sprained an ankle it looks uh i don't know i can't imagine they're gonna rush him back he obviously came back pretty quickly from the last thing but uh it feels like when you're 43 and 17 and og hasn't been playing his best basketball of late anyway there's no real impetus to like rush him back into the lineup so i'd expect he'd be out for a few games at least um, what do you do if you're the Raptors now? Because Norm Powell played last night, kind of in uh, OG's stead in the back half of the game, and uh, he put up a Jerome Moiso. He got zero across the board uh, in 11 minutes played, just a minus three. And I, I don't know how comfortable I am sticking Norm Powell back in the starting five, just considering how you know it hasn't gone so smoothly with him as, as a starter this season. I mean, the starting the start of the season, the the starters were you know playing at like Louis Scola playing at the four levels of, of net rating and I, uh, I I don't I don't know do you just reinsert Norm back in and sort of keep the bench together or do you get a little creative and maybe try to throw in Miles or do something like starting DeLon next to Lowry or something like that do you like do you see that in the cards just considering how poorly uh, Powell's played um no I, I think I think I would expect uh Norman Powell to get the start yeah it, 
I just don't see the sense in breaking up that bench unit. They've been so good. You look at them going up against a Washington team and potentially Charlotte and Atlanta after that. So um, I don't think Norman Powell is going to hurt them to the point where you know they can't get away with put, sneaking them in with DeRozan and Lowry and Ibaka and Valanciunas. I think there's enough there to sort of negate anything that he does negatively. Mm-hmm. So I, I would just roll with that. Um, if anything, if they're going to get wild, I'd love to see Malcolm Miller get a start. Hell yeah! Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that way they can keep their bench unit together too. And Malcolm Miller, uh, I think, is a better shooter than Norman Powell. Um, I, I felt a bit bad for him. Was it the game on Monday that he came in in uh, garbage time? And, yeah. Uh, because he actually played Saturday and Sunday for the 905. Right. Uh, so I, I think about 71 minutes total in those two games. So he, he was actually you know, on a back-to-back-to-back. Obviously, he's not going to say no to playing, but um, he was short on both his jumpers. And I know I know he can shoot a lot better than that. So I look forward to him maybe getting an opportunity with the team next season or somewhere because uh, I do think he's another one of those guys from the 905 that can definitely make uh, the senior team. So that's kind of interesting. So it's March 1st. It's the last day to add players if you're going to have them on your roster for the playoffs. The Raptors aren't going to get a buyout guy. It seems Corey Brewer just signed with the Thunder. And no one else out there really is all that interesting or even available at this point. Everyone's kind of been scooped up. And the whole conversation about the buyout guys has never made a ton of sense to me just because we talk about how great the Raptors bench is all the time and how deep this team is with 12 dudes. And then you forget that like Alfonso McKinney is actually on the 15-man roster. He just never gets a whiff because the team is so deep. And the whole idea of adding like a 15th guy never made a ton of sense to me because like who is Ursan Ilyasova taking minutes from or any of these guys? Aaron Aflalo, like they're not taking minutes from any of these guys reasonably, so why even bother with it um, and sort of risk screwing up what you have? I'm sure like Aaron Aflalo is not going to change the complexion of the entire roster, but why even bother if he's not going to play? Um, so the, the whole bio thing never made a ton of sense to me, but there's the potential, I guess, with that open roster spot that maybe a guy like Malcolm Miller gets his two-way converted, and you're probably a better authority on this stuff than I am with her, in terms of how the two-ways work, um, but you know, could you see Malcolm Miller being sort of converted into the being that fifteenth guy on the on the big roster? I know two way guys they can't play in the playoffs, correct? But could Miller conceivably play if he was converted? I think so. I, th- I think yeah. he he would fit the theoretical uh, qualities of what the Raptors are looking for. Right. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that can defend multiple positions. He offers a ton of shooting. Um, and the other thing with the Raptors that's been interesting through the buyout market is they've been stuck in a weird place where they're trying to find that guy who um, can't really demand minutes but then can still step in in a playoff role, a playoff atmosphere and have an impact mm-hmm. if needed um, because you don't want uh, whoever was being brought in to step on the toes of the bench and so, or sort of even have some of those bench guys sort of looking over their shoulder and saying, hey, who's this new guy that's you know sort of cutting into our time? Um, and I think Malcolm Miller kind of fits that. He's not someone that can sort of challenge any of the bench guys in terms of, you know, hey, uh, these guys brought me in to do something. Um, but also, if you're looking at a guy to bring in some spot shooting, some you know, spot defense in terms of having someone that can defend multiple positions, he offers that. So um, I think it's a good fit. Yeah, the D-League this year, 12.5 points, 5.2 boards, 1.6 assists. 
shooting 38% from deep on 5.7 attempts, 44% overall. Like, is Malcolm Miller an NBA player? I think so. Yeah, I definitely think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, especially you look at the, the the long layoff he had from the injury coming into the season, not getting a training camp, anything like that. So um, even Jerry Stackhouse uh, after one, uh, I think he had like a 32 point game, and you know Stackhouse still said, "Hey, I I really don't think we're going to see the best of Malcolm over the remaining you know 20 ish games." Um, so that just speaks to the level he's at already and what he could potentially be next season. Yeah, uh, so here's hoping. I mean, uh, it would be a shame if the Raptors lost him for any reason if some other team out there uh, wanted to try to nab him for like in the offseason or whatever. And if they can convert him into a, a roster player, why not? He does kind of offer all the stuff that was never really existed in any of the guys who were out there on the market. All of them were kind of either one-dimensional guys like a Marco Bellinelli who doesn't offer any defense or uh, you know, a Trevor Booker who would, didn't, didn't really fit the idea sort of and he was never really rumored to be part of the Raptors plans or anything like that but he never he didn't really fit because the Raptors are so deep and big and same with Ursan Ilyasova like where was Ilyasova going to play he wasn't going to play ahead of Siakam or anything like that um so you know at a position where they're kind of thin on the wings you know especially if OG's hurt I don't see any sort of drawback to maybe ex- uh, extending that to Miller and saying, all right, here's an NBA-level contract. You're no longer a two-way guy, and hopefully you can have him for the playoffs. But again, I might be wrong on whether or not he can actually play come playoff time. Uh, I'm not entirely sure on, this, on the rules for that or like when it would have to be converted by, but uh, that's, that's interesting for sure. And yeah, maybe he will get a start. Maybe Norm's played so poorly that you know Dwayne just throws Miller a bone, but that'd be cool. Um, all right, so some other stuff I wanted to kind of bounce around. Pascal Siakam was freaking awesome last night. Uh, he 14-6-4 is another four-assist game for him. He's had a few big assist games of late. Uh, he was 7-9 of nine from the field. He just kind of owned that fourth quarter defensively. So my whole thing is, like, the Raptors still haven't really figured out a crunch time lineup just yet, and that, that's, you know, part of the fact that they played so many blowout games and they haven't really had that much crunch time, and, you know, the matchups vary, and Jonas Valanciunas has been better than we would have expected and has played probably more fourth quarters than I would have expected at the start of the year. Um, but Pascal Siakam, I think, is kind of wedging his way into potentially being a guy that you can't not have on the floor in a crunch time situation. Uh, so, I I don't know. I was just kind of looking up and down, like, the Raptors lineups page on NBA.com and sort of looking at what lineups have played a lot, what, what lineups haven't played very much. And I'm starting to think, like, Siakam very well could be, like, a closing piece for this team. And the idea that I have, and obviously this depends on matchup, but... Serge Ibaka at the 5, next to Siakam at the 4, you get Miles at the 3, and then Lowry and DeMar, of course, in the backcourt is sort of their go-to 5 in a playoff series when you really need it. And I think with Siakam, yes, his 3-point shot has been terrible this season, and maybe that is too much of a liability, but I do think his like, tr- speed and transition, his switchiness on D, his ability to sort of create havoc just by jumping passing lanes and things like that, and also his playmaking, I think they might be enough to offset his shooting, especially if you have both Miles and Serge on the floor. Do you think that makes any sense? Because, like, I, I don't know. This has kind of been my one gripe about the Raptors this season and sort of the way they've gone about building their lineups is we don't have that much data on a lot of lineups for this team, right? It's like a couple of very specific lineups. The bench lineup is one of them. We know exactly what they are at this point. But we don't have that much data on anything else. 
And that lineup, to me, just seems like geometrically and just in terms of how the skills sort of blend, that could be kind of a go-to thing. But that lineup's played 12 minutes this season together. And, you know, they were plus 24.1 in those 12 minutes, but it's 12 minutes. So, I don't know, is that something, is Siakam a guy you think is maybe sort of edging his way to that crunch time rotation type thing? Uh, and is that lineup something that you'd be interested in seeing? Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting and worth considering because, I mean, even, even when you look at last season... Ibaka played a ton of minutes at the five once he came over. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, one thing that helped was the toughness of PJ Tucker, and you know he was huge on the boards as well. There were multiple times where he finished with double-digit rebounds. Um, so that'll probably be the main concern: the rebounding with that unit. Um, and so, if the Raptors can at least give it a shot during the regular season, I definitely think uh, they're stuck in a difficult place because uh the celtics are playing well again and you know you've only got a half game lead on first place and you're trying to secure that but at the same time you want to find out um what these different lineups can do um but i think they've got to sneak in some opportunities uh, especially with the way uh, they've been able to build big leads you, you already touched on them finishing with the best point differential in february in a long time so they can build uh, more leads and more games and have those units and just sort of have a look and see, hey, is this something that we can go to? I'm all for it. Uh, I definitely like Serge Ibaka and Siakam together as a defensive pairing in the front court just because of their ability to defend the perimeter, to switch. Um, and Ibaka is still, you know, I, I think he's on. He's sort of become underrated as a rim protector because mm-hmm. you know people just look at what he did before uh, and now they look at, you know, his block totals. Pretty much being half of what he used to do, and, and just assume that he's not doing it like he used to. But there's a lot of things that go into that. There's a lot of him defending on the perimeter more often. There's a lot of uh, you know teams just shooting the three way more. You're not really going to block those shots, and teams, um, you know, I think it's just him not being in the paint as much that has to do with that. We see that a bit with the rebounding as well. So um, if the guards is so that would be the main concern. Uh, like I said, with the rebounding, just making sure that the guards are uh, really on top of that and helping out on the glass, especially when they switch over. The, you know, the rotations are going to have to be pretty perfect, but that unit would have um, the pace to do that. You know, you probably have to go offense, defense with uh, Adenobi and Miles. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that, uh, it's definitely worth considering. Yeah, the Ibaka thing too. I mean, he's been playing at a position for the last like four or five years as a as a four when he's really probably a pure five, at least in terms of how he excels defensively. Maybe not the rebounding. Maybe that translates not so well there. But other than that, like he's been playing next to centers when he is in fact himself a center as well. Uh, so that's probably eating into his block numbers in addition to all the other factors you pointed to. Um, and honestly, I can't remember the last time we saw Ibaka play in crunch time like as a center. It's been a while because they haven't had any crunch time games of late, and there's yep. been a lot of Jonas late in games too. This team is so hard to evaluate just because like, there's so many damn blowouts, right? It's just it's kind of impossible to remember certain instances in which you know they had a certain lineup out there or whatever because it's not like you're seeing it every single night. Um, but I do remember early in the season when they were having some closer games, sort of in that like eight and five start to the season. 
Uh, I do remember Ibaka when he was playing five. Like there were issues with rebounding in certain games. That Spurs game at the start of the season stands out. Um, a couple other games as well. But I do think Ibaka, if I remember the numbers correctly, like his defensive rebounding percentage was totally fine, and in fact improved when he was playing center. And like it wasn't Jonas level, but it was somewhere between you know Serge at the four and Jonas at the five. Like Serge at the five was something in between those two in terms of defensive rebounding percentage. And it was like the team the team wasn't killing the defensive glass, but they weren't getting completely owned either and right. Siakam his rebounding seems to have kind of perked up a little bit lately obviously he's kind of slight and that's, he's not like an amazing rebounder or anything but uh, like I think him and Ibaka could be a bit better of a pairing than say him and like Miles or him and OG in the front court um, it's not going to be him and, and like, it's not going to be Ibaka Tucker as you mentioned Tucker's rebounding last season was insane but I think it could be something in between a little bit and maybe you can get by with it because the offense will be that much better with you know that you know fivesome that I proposed out there um, so it's just something to keep an eye on. Like that's the one drawback of this season is we don't have a whole lot of lineup data that's very useful. Um, you know, we we know the starters are good, we know the bench is good. I have after that, it's kind of a mismatch of like a bunch of lineups that have played like 60 minutes together, and we don't really know anything about it. Like the third most used lineup for this team, the the third lineup that is over 100 minutes played is the original starting five, which we never see anymore. And after that, it's a bunch of lineups that are still under 100 minutes played. So we have no real sort of concept of, you know, whether or not it's translatable over the course of a longer sample size, if it's going to be good or not. So, um, yeah, just something to keep an eye on. And I hope they can kind of incorporate some more lineups down the stretch here. This month night might not be the best for it because it's kind of a very, it's like a, you know, it's a two-faced month because they have a lot of really easy games. Uh, they have like Atlanta, Detroit, Charlotte all next week. They have the Knicks and Nets coming up. They have Dallas, uh, Orlando, Brooklyn again. Like they have a lot of pretty easy games. The Clippers too. I mean they're fine. But then they also have like very big games against like OKC and Houston and Cleveland and Boston. So I don't, again I'm not sure if this will be a great month for determining you know anything either because you know you're going to have a lot of blowouts I'm assuming against some of these bad teams and then these close games it's hard to sort of get data from those games as well because they're kind of extreme circumstances so yeah we, we might still be starting April with not having a whole lot of data on all these lineups which is a bit of a bummer but uh, you know here's hoping we can get something out of it but because like uh, there's still so much more to learn about this team sort of beyond the most used lineups I think yeah for sure no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Um, one of the, one of the things from last night I don't want to talk about too, if you're a Raptors fan, what jersey do you buy right now? If you're, if you're a jersey buyer, if you're in the Raptors jersey market, so you haven't bought one in a few years, which jersey do you buy right now? Color plus player. Color plus player. So with the color, um, I'm not I'm not 
as much as much as I like the white jersey, I I, I, would, I wouldn't buy one just because of the potential to you know spills, man. Grease it up. And, spills yeah. are bad. Yeah. <laughs> so red's a pretty decent option that way. Right. Um, but I already have like a really old like. Do you remember the Bosch and Vince uh, Raptor years where where they wore the red? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I have one of those. Okay. Um, so I probably I probably go with the Drake uh, uniform. Hmm. Um, in terms of player, huh? That's a tough one. Um, you know what? I I probably just go with DeRozan just because I, I don't think I have anything Demar related and right. sort of the icon of this era. So that's probably who I go with. So there's lots of arguments for this, right? Like there's obviously different people have different sort of affinities for certain players. Like I have a Terrence Ross jersey kicking around somewhere. Uh, okay. It's not kicking around somewhere. I know exactly where it is. It's one of my favorite shirts. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's the DeMar, there's the Kyle. Those are the easy ones, obviously. There's lots of people that have JV jerseys as well. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever bought a Serge Ibaka jersey. That would be uh, – I'm curious to see how many people actually own a Serge jersey. If you have one, please reach out. Because uh, it can't, I, that can't be a very popular jersey, just considering he's like the third best player on the team, and he's kind of new. Um, but my argument, and I tweeted this last night, is I that, imagine that there are quite a few women that own an Ibaka jersey. <laughs> good, good point, sir. Good point. Uh, but the argument that I was making last night is that I think Pascal Siakam might be the most desirable jersey on the team right now. Obviously, like it's a bit of a hipster pick. It's not Demar or Kyle, but. It's like he's been good enough this season and there's like enough hope and potential within him. He's only in the second year of his deal. Doesn't seem like he's going anywhere anytime soon. He's cost controlled and like they're going to have him beyond his rookie deal, you would assume, especially if he keeps showing this kind of growth. Um, So he's going to be around a long time. He's fun as hell. Like he's probably the most fun Raptors player uh, just considering the like the dunks and the steals and the transition stuff like he's part of that really great bench unit and like i don't know man if i'm buying a raptors jersey a pascal either the red or black one i don't think i'm going drake because it's going to change and there'll be a new one next year anyway um right i'm like a pascal jersey i think would be like the best investment you could make if you're buying a raptors jersey right now yeah and 43 is a pretty rare number to own too so what's that sorry the, the, the jersey number forty three. That's pretty rare to own. As oh well. yeah, it's like a collectible. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm not sure if it's a strong number. It's it's di- <laughs> it's definitely different. Um, like I feel like a right fifty five jersey looks cooler on the back than a Siakam forty three. But uh, I, I I don't really have any sort of way to evaluate that. It's just uh, an objective thing, but or a subjective thing. But, uh, yeah, no, Pascal Siagam. I, I don't know. It's just a dumb thing I like that it. I was thinking yeah. about. Oh, that's, a, that's, that's a good pick. Yeah. Um, either way, uh, let's look ahead to tonight's game again, or Friday's game against the Wizards, I suppose. Uh, okay. The Wizards are playing well without John Wall, I guess. They, there's some tweets about the team playing well uh, from Marching Gortat, although apparently him and John Wall hashed it out a little bit. Um, but, like, Thomas Sadoransky looks like an NBA player for the first time ever. And Bradley Beal looks great. What should the Raptors be expecting from the Wizards tomorrow? Is this going to be a different team than what they've played in the last three times they've played them? It's actually not going to be too different because they've played uh, them without John Wall twice. Uh, That's out true, of the three yeah. Games, right? And lost so, both, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they've lost both times without John Wall, so yeah. um, the Raptors should expect more of the same. 
you know, I'm looking up Bradley Beal's numbers, and obviously the scoring is uh, there as always, but it's really impressive to see for the month of Feb, he averaged 6.8 assists. Yeah. Um, just really stepping up as a playmaker and getting guys involved, and uh, you really see that carry over to Otto Porter, who, you know, was about that 13, 14 range uh, in terms of scoring, and now he's up to 18 a game in, uh, for the month of February. Um, and so, uh, those two have really stepped up in their absence. That, that's probably a big question that people had of Porter if he could be um, that secondary guy when you know one of Wall or Beal is missing. And uh, so far, he's done that. He's someone that you know has always sort of uh, matched up well against DeRozan, and with his length, he's able to cause some problems for him. So that that's always a matchup to look forward to. Um, Kelly Oubre is uh, one player who has sort of struggled um, since Wall has gone down mm. um, so you know and Gortat's numbers haven't changed too much even though John Wall likes to think that most of his buckets come via those uh, <laughs> nifty little spoon feeds uh, so um, maybe the beef is still alive uh, but yeah they, they, they just seem to be um, I, I was saying this watching the Bucks game they, they really seem to be cohesive on the offensive end. There's sort of a patience and a decisiveness to the way they're going about things on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, it, it's almost like extremely surgical in terms of they know what they're running, they know what they're going to get. And, uh, frankly, if they don't get it, Bradley Beal just goes one-on-one with whoever and gets whatever he wants anyway. So um, I think he's someone that's become... Or pretty much near that superstar level this year. Um, I've loved watching him play uh, as much as he gave the Raptors fits a few years ago. And that sweep, you know, the way he stepped up, especially. I mean, what was he back then? Twenty one. Yeah. So. so he's like yeah. the uh, he's like the youngest dude who's been around forever in the league. Yeah, exactly. So, um, in terms of just his game, I'm a huge fan. So. Um, It'll definitely be a tough one tomorrow, especially in their own in, in the Wizards building. Yeah, the, it's interesting you made the point about like their offense feeling very calculated and methodical without John Wall because like John Wall's best asset is that he kind of creates chaos with his ridiculous uh-huh. speed and his ability to find shooters from any point on the court. Um, and the transition stuff that he does is so excellent. And for the Wizards to be kind of you know maybe. Scaling it back in terms of just like their overall aggressiveness, but still kind of knowing everything they need to do, just having the talent and the personnel to kind of execute things crisply. That's uh, it's kind of interesting. I don't, I'm not one of these people who thinks like they're better without Wall, but it is at least like they've been good enough without him that um, it's an interesting conversation, at least in terms of like how the fit all works together. And like maybe it's more just chemistry because it seems like no one really likes John Wall <laughs> or yeah. John Wall doesn't really like anybody on the team. It's sort of a weird thing, but, um, and maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's nothing to do stylistically. Maybe they're just happier. Maybe it's the LeBron factor when you take out Isaiah Thomas, but, um, obviously John Wall is better than Isaiah Thomas. It's ridiculous. But, um, yeah, that, they're, that, they're a fascinating team. They are, are you scared of the wizards? if they were to come across the Raptors in like a second round playoff series? Um, with or without John Wall, I, I assume John Wall will be back. Uh, uh, by, I guess by, with by John Wall because he's uh, yeah. What's his status right now? I'll look him up. But uh, so I think it was towards the end of the Jan that they ruled him out six to eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. So I, w- I would assume that he would be back for the postseason. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, I definitely think they're a big threat with John Wall. I, I do think they're a better team with him, especially in the postseason. You know, in the regular season, you can sort of get these wins. Um, but I think the postseason, having, you know, two stars like that can make a big difference. And he's someone that's always shown up in the postseason. He plays great. Um, so I think, and again, you know, you, you look at the matchup with Kyle Lowry, um, you pro- based on history, you probably give John Wall the edge. And so I think they can pose serious problems. It's funny, I'm, uh, I'm just looking at the Wizards in uh, February, and they put up uh, the second slowest pace in the league. Huh. What was their offense uh, in February? Let's see here. Uh, they were ninth at 110 offensive re- rating. Huh. So. Well, that's a uh, file that under interesting. Interesting, I suppose. I mean, February guess is such a weird month because it's a. In pace. Well, I don't know if you know this already, but. Um, who's 30th in pace? Uh, the Houston Rockets. Oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I having two ridiculously good ISO scores. Uh, that that certainly helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the Wizards are a. Uh, I'm scared of them because, like, the, like you said, they just always seem to be good in the playoffs, and that's annoying because they seem so sort of listless in the regular season all the time. Um, They're the anti-Raptors. Yeah, like they're the t- type of team that I could easily see them losing in the NBA TV series to the Pacers, or like going on a run to the conference finals just because they get hot. Um, and like Jody Meeks is like playing decent, like bench ball for them, which is strange. And like, there's so much Jody Meeks in every Wizards game now, and I don't know if I feel good about it, but. Um, like the, their bench is like useful. Mike Scott just completely torched the Raptors in the last game they played. Um, yeah, he's been playing well this season. Yeah, and like Kelly Oubre is fine. I mean, their backup point guard spot is not good. Tim Fraser is very bad, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're a little bit more. And like Jan Mahimi is actually like playing basketball this season, and it isn't a decrepit like skeleton. I mean, he's close to it, but he's been useful, I suppose. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, the the Wizards scary as hell. Hopefully the Raptors can get a win against them. It, it'd be very weird for the Raptors to have their best regular season ever and not you know, only win one game against the Wizards over the course of the season series because they usually kick their asses in the regular season and just get owned by them in the playoffs. It's very strange. Maybe it's a good omen for the playoffs if they lose three games to the Wizards. I don't know. Um, Question for you: Would yeah. you rather face, um, say, in a potential second round matchup, the Wizards or the Bucks? <sighs> That's, uh, I, I would like for the Pacers and Sixers to end up the 4-5 seeds, if, 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 if at all possible, uh, if that answers your question. Yeah, the Wizards, hmm, I think I'd rather face the Bucks because the Raptors have beaten them. I mean, the Bucks are terrifying in their own right, because Giannis is Giannis, but I think they have a bit more, like, uh, sort of dead weight in the roster, as bad as the Wizards bench can be at times. I think the, the Bucks have kind of just, like, a bunch of players that, aren't very good and I don't know if they're super deep and I feel like it's very weird to say yeah I'd rather play Giannis than anyone on the Wizards but I kind of would rather play Giannis than anyone on the Wizards because it just feels like with one guy who's so central to everything on the team maybe you can take advantage of minutes where he's sitting or whatever or you can kind of do the whole thing where you know, you just let Giannis do his thing, and if he scores 60 on you, fine, but if no one else on the team is doing anything, then maybe you live with it. Yeah. It's not ideal. <laughs> um, I'd, yeah. I would definitely say the Bucks if they were still playing Jason Kidd's stupid-ass defense, but they're not anymore. Um, so that's uh, 
it's definitely a consideration. But I would still say probably rather the Bucks and the Wizards, just because the Wizards have been there before and they are like they just seem to have the Raptors number at times. And like Gortat's always been a really tough matchup for Jonas, whereas Jonas usually kills the Bucks. I think I'd probably go. And, like, the John Wall, Kyle Lowry thing. Like, I think you could say that Giannis for sure is the best player in that series with the Raptors, but the Raptors might have the next best two or three players after that, um, mm-hmm. depending on what you think of Middleton and, you know, uh, I guess Ibaka or whatever. But, um, like, in the Wizards and Raptors series, it's such a dead heat, it feels like, and maybe an advantage for Beal and uh, and Wall over Kyle and Damar that, I don't know, I, I think I'd probably be more comfortable with the Bucks. But, again, give me Pacers-Sixers as a 4-5. That would be delightful. <laughs> Yeah, what about you? Uh, I actually prefer the Bucks as well, so I'm yeah. right with you. Okay. Um, I actually don't think the uh, Bucks are playing too different defensively. They they might be um, just a bit less aggressive. I know the numbers show that they've improved defensively a ton, but it's it's uh, I think it's a bit of fool's goal there because their um, schedule's been very easy. Yeah, I was yeah. I was actually looking, you know, the nine and two stretch that they had um, since Kid was fired. Uh, the wins included Phoenix, Brooklyn twice, the Knicks twice, mm-hmm. the Chicago Bulls, the Orlando Magic, and the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. Um, since then, they've gone one and four, and they have a defensive rating of one hundred and twelve point six. Yeah, I still so, think the Bucks need good players around Giannis, and I don't think they have many of them right now. Yeah, right. like Jabari, you know. He's not the same. Um, they're obviously missing Malcolm Brogdon, so yeah. that's a factor. Uh, but, yeah, um, it, I, I don't think there's a right answer. Um, I think you probably picked the most suitable answer, which is neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I think there's still that history of that sweep that sort of uh, leaves a bit of an impression. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, man, this was fun. We went a lot longer than I thought I was going to, but uh, I thank you for lending me your time. Uh, sorry to the listeners that this was a rambly-ass podcast. We went all, a whole bunch of different directions without much flow, um, but that's fine. I just had a list of things I wanted to talk about, and my transitions were poor, but that's cool. Whatever. Uh, going to make up for it, and I mean, this was still a good podcast because Vivek is great, but uh, going to make up for it later on with a couple of very good podcasts uh, tonight. Um, just so you know, the next podcast you hear in the feed, it's going to sound different. It's going to be weird, and there's not going to be like an intro or anything like that. So just stay, just don't be alarmed by it. Just listen to it. It'll be great. Um, it's something we haven't done before, but it's going to be very cool. And then on Friday, I guess I can plug this now because it's locked in. I'm doing a podcast with Glenn Grunwald. Uh, Whoa! Yeah. Uh, from Raptors GM. We're going to be talking a whole bunch of stuff uh, from his office at McMaster University. So uh, I will be – that will be a Friday afternoon, I'm thinking, probably. So stay tuned for that. It should be fun. And, uh, yeah, thanks to Vivek for coming on. Do you have anything you want to plug, man? Uh, I'll have a piece going out for Raptors Republic tomorrow just uh, because we're into the final quarter of the season. I'm just sort of projecting what the Raptors-Celtics schedule looks like. Right. Projecting who they could uh, maybe match up with in the first round. Yeah, just sort of uh, looking into the crystal ball a little bit. Sounds good. Uh, this is what we're going to be doing for the next month and a half, so uh, might yeah. as well start <laughs> on it. <laughs> and uh, it's so futile because any one of these teams could finish in any one of these slots, really. Um, yeah. Like, even the Wizards are just a game back at the Cavs right now. So, like, 
this is one of those dumb games where I guess if the Raptors win and the Wizards lose, that's good for the Raptors. But also if the Raptors lose and the Wizards win, then that's also setting up maybe the Cavs to fall down to four and the Raptors to fall down. It, it, so this game can't really go badly, I guess, if you're a Raptors fan, if you, if you want to look at it that way. Um, either way, it will be uh, a positive effort towards missing uh, the Cavaliers in the second round. But, um, yeah, this... Uh, the standings watching is going to be exhausting. Um, th- this was not exhausting, Vivek. Thanks again for coming on, man. And we will talk you. to you, the listeners, uh, with the next episode later on tonight. Uh, once again, it's going to be weird, but it's also going to be great. And I uh, hope you enjoy it. And we'll talk to you soon with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 